Hey everybody, you hear that? Sounds like tea time. And we are back at the island and this is Benita. CT. And BJ. Hey y'all, what's up? Y'all good? Yes, I can't wait till we get to our special guest, so go for it, B. I know, we're not going to waste any time. We are so excited to have our guest here today, and let's jump right in. Our guest today was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we have something in common. Uh, We're both military brats, and so both of his parents are veterans. And so he is a graduate of the University of Texas in San Antonio with a BA degree in communications. Uh, The other thing we have in common is being an educator. He is a former high school math teacher. So I'm a special ed, retired special ed teacher. Yes. So our guest made headlines for becoming the first openly gay Black man elected to San Antonio City Council, or any office in Texas for that matter, earlier this month, um, and this is the month of June. So he will be District 2's seventh representative since 2014. So we are going to dive right in. We are so privileged here at the island to have the newly elected District 2 Councilman Jalen McKee Rodriguez. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. We're excited to have you Um, here at the island. We just it's real talk about real issues and we're always real. So do your thing. So yes, ma'am. Yes. So um, I know it's been a long month of celebrations for you. And with it being Pride Month, it's been like double celebrations. So are you tired (laughs) yet? Are you tired? (laughs) No, I have all the energy in the world. I'm so excited. And really, uh, I've been energized by my staff, by the community, um, and by the different other council members. There's some great relationships being formed, and I can't wait. I'm so excited to get to work. That is awesome. So let's just dive right in. I think Cheryl has the first question. I do, but I want to say we also have something in common. Um, I graduated with a computer science degree and a minor in mathematics, so I love math teachers. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, you see, I didn't get a degree in math, so I am very impressed by you, and you are a genius. I hope everyone knows you are on the line with the genius. <laughs> and computer science at that. <laughs> I love numbers, so for you to be a math teacher, that is an awesome thing to do. So my question to you, Jalen, is why did you decide to go in politics? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had never planned on entering the field of politics. I really do love education. I thought I was going to be in advertising. So that's why I got my degree in communication. And really, my goal was to um, increase representation for minorities, for marginalized communities. um, And I feel advertising is a good way to do that. But... In 2016, Trump was elected, and I just remember waking up. I was sick. I had pharyngitis and sinusitis at the same time. And then I was sick because Trump got elected, and I was, you know, devastated and heartbroken. And I realized then that if I wanted something to change, that I should, um, you know, start getting involved. So I got my start in 2017 volunteering on campaigns. I volunteered for Michael Montano, who ran in District 1 for City Council, and then Judge Monique Diaz, who ran... Uh, for 150th District Court judge. And then I actually worked for my predecessor. I helped uh, get Councilwoman Jada Andrew Sullivan elected. Um, And really at the root of it all is that 
I don't feel represented. I feel as though there's a lot of rich, wealthy white men making decisions that they're never gonna feel the impacts of. And we need more working class people, more uh, black people, more minorities, more everyone. Everyone who's not represented deserves a voice. And so um, I think where I saw city council's role is that local government is where policy really meets people and our day-to-day lives. And so um, I think it's important that our council members recognize that. And I, that's the kind of council member I plan to be. Awesome. awesome. I know you're going to do a fantastic job. I will do my best. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Councilman Jalen, um, I read somewhere that you said there's power in representation. So I'm glad you spoke about that. And everybody should have some representation in our democracy and we should try to keep it. So I have something in common with you, too. Everybody else was talking about their in common <laughs> with you. But when I woke up and heard that Trump was the president, I was sick, too. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I just want you to know I joined you. But seriously, I also have a communications background. And so I worked for many, many years in communications. And so we do have something in common. Yes, I think ma'am. my question, my first question for you is, what are the top three issues that you see facing our city? Okay, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. So I'm okay. going to give you t- I'm going to give you two ones that I think are pretty um, uh, pretty straightforward. The first one being our streets, infrastructure, drainage, um, our sides of town, the east, west, south sides. They were designed very poorly and maintained very poorly for decades, and I'd say centuries. Um, and a huge part of that is that our sides of town weren't meant for white people. They were meant to push aside. Mexicans and Hispanics and Black people. And so a lot of the inequities that we face, a lot of the reasons why businesses don't want to open up shop in our side of town, why we don't have a lot of resources, because our infrastructure was designed for us to have our own little thing going on. Um, And that just opens the door for so much else. Aside from that, you know, it damages our cars. We see that whenever it rains, our, you know, our streets will be flooded for days at a time. And that damages our roads, creates potholes even further, takes six years for them to come repair a street. It's just all a system and a cycling door of inequity, starting at the root infrastructure, which is you know one of the basic foundations of a city. Um, second, I think this was very, uh, this was you know in the spotlight this past election and that's police accountability and community police relations. Um, I think our police department has a long way to go in righting a lot of its wrongs. And few people know this. Um, last year, they celebrated 300 years, you know, 300 or however many years of being, you know, their, oh, I can't even, th- I can't even think about what it was, what the total years was, but they were founded in 63. So two years before Juneteenth. Ah. So they started as slave patrols. Gotcha. And nobody recognizes that history and them, you know, celebrating, oh, we've been around for this long. It's like, do you see the cognitive dissonance there? Mm-hmm. And do you see why the relationships have been what they've been? Because they started out hostile. Mm-hmm. And so now that we're, you know, we're trying to become this post-racial society, we, we will not be that as long as, you know, the races are treated the way that they are. Um, the inherent biases that people have have to be recognized. And I feel like a huge part of 
the police community relationship and the problems that we have are due to those racial inequities and those racial uh, problems that exist. Uh, and there, I could talk a long time about that. We will, and hopefully I'll be on the public safety committee and we can talk, I can talk about that on and on and make some policy about it. <laughs> and then I would say three, and I think this one's a little bit deeper and it stems to uh, the root of San Antonio and it's poverty. Mm. And a lot of times lawmakers want to put out policy or they want to make budget recommendations or they want to make their speeches and they want to talk about the problems that exist in San Antonio without addressing the root, which is poverty, a sense of hopelessness that people have. We want to talk about crime, but we, want, we don't want to talk about why do people feel desperate? Why do people feel hurt? And until we address that, I think we're going to see a whole lot of barriers in place to solving some of our root problems, you know, a lot of our problems. Um, but I say the three. I ain't mean to get that deep, but. Well, I, I'm glad you did because we appreciate your candid comments. We said real talk and real issues. And so you brought it to us and I appreciate that. Um, we want to support those sort of issues in any way that we can, but we have to understand them. And I really appreciate you saying that we got to go beyond the issue to the root. Mm -hmm. And so what you brought to us is some more insight into what we need to do. Um, so I appreciate that. But I have another question for you. Do you think San Antonio would benefit, I'm changing it a little, would, do you think they would benefit from ranked choice voting like they're doing in New York or like they did in New York for the mayoral race? You know, this is actually the first year that I've been paying attention to the New York races and I've been very intrigued by the ranked choice voting. I've been disappointed to see some of my candidates lose but I've been excited to see some of them win. Um, and I think what happens with ranked choice voting one, I think, let's just think about what it does for voters. Mm -hmm. San Antonio, we are tired of elections because we have an election in November, we got one in May, then we're gonna have another one in March, and then we're gonna have one in November. It's gonna be a whole thing, like it's just constant. We're constantly voting for something. Yes. We have the bond election that we're gonna be voting on. We have, right. and then we have whatever runoffs come from those elections. And so I think what you see is voter fatigue. It's exhausting to have to get up and vote that many times and to see your candidates lose so many times, to have to, a lot of people this past runoff, um, they thought that I won after the general because I had gotten the most votes. So there's also that challenge of re-educating voters and saying, hey, no, we need your vote one more time. And I know it was a struggle to get you out last time, but here's why it matters more. And we could eliminate some of that voter fatigue by implementing ranked choice voting. And for, I think a lot of people don't know what ranked choice voting does, but what it does is, uh, I'm just gonna do the piece for the, for the audience, uh, <laughs> is everybody votes for their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, however many that they want to vote for. Right. And those are assigned points. So they, then they tally how many people got first place or how many first place votes there were and then whoever got the least amount of votes is eliminated. Right. And then all of that candidate's second choice votes are then allotted to the next people. And we continue and continue until we get to, um, you know, the final one. And that person is what would have occurred after a number of runoffs. So it, it makes it so that if you didn't get your first choice, you're not left with, you know, two... Uh, Two people you don't want to choose from you're choosing your top three four five and you could even leave people off and i think there's just so much power in that 
And there's so much power in being able to say, like, I can vote for these three people and I can leave everybody else off. Like that in itself is something powerful. And I, I do think San Antonio would benefit from that. You actually hit on something when you say voter fatigue, because you do get tired of going out to the polls, especially uh, now that they're making it harder for you to vote <laughs> and making it harder for you to jump through hoops to get to uh, cast your vote because many people work. Some people have flexible schedules, but most people do not. The working class people do not have a flexible schedule. So, you know, when they struggle just to get out to get that one vote in, you want to make it count and you're going to tell them, hey, you know, we got to run off, we got to come back you know you gotta yes, take some time off your job again <laughs> but you are hourly employed but i still need you to wait uh -huh. that for three four five hours in order to vote for me because it's important <laughs> yes and the fact that you know voting isn't a holiday we need that like we need this the working class people need this and it's exhausting and i do want to correct myself on something real quick because i earlier i said the sapd was founded in 63 they were founded in 1846 1846 so long before uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. So they were really deep in it. <laughs> wow. wow. In control wow. and patrol. Yes, ma'am. Control and patrol. Yes. Well, you. You may have answered this question, but this is more uh, specific to you. Uh, what major initiatives would you like to approve or implement while you're in office? Do you have some specific things that you want to uh, maybe uh, put bills together for the community? What are those? Oh my gosh, I have so many. When I tell you um, <laughs> what the campaign trail will do is it'll get you so excited to do so many things. You talk to people and they have amazing ideas. And mm -hmm. then you get in office, you're slowed down by the bureaucracy because we ain't get a staff together. We, we have to get everybody's emails put up. We got to open up the offices. We got to get our <laughs> IT stuff. And so I've been writing stuff down, trying to maintain that excitement. And I think one thing that really, uh, that I'm super excited about that we're already doing um, is the hotel for the houseless population downtown. So there's mm -hmm. a homeless encampment under I-37 mm -hmm. and across from there is the Days Inn. And mm -hmm. so San Antonio, we recently voted to approve a lease, which will turn into a, a low barrier shelter. So it won't do, it won't have the same requirements that say Haven for Hope has, where okay. you have to sober up. It'll be one where you can't have you know, any alcohol or drugs on the premises, but you don't have to be sober. Um, mm -hmm. It's truly housing first. It's getting someone on their feet, getting them a shower, getting them a bed. Um, and I'm just, I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I will, awesome. I'm not gonna, I'm not, not gonna cheat the question though. I will talk about something for the future. Um, but I also wanna say that for that, I've also made the budget ask that I think it's important to recognize that when houseless people, you know, all they have is their pet. We can't separate them from their pets. And currently the hotel isn't going to allow animals. And so I'm asking, I'm making the budget ask for kennel care um, while, the, while you know, they're staying at the Days Inn. Because um, I think that's just so important. It's like, these are your babies. These are your connection to humanity. And they were with you when nobody else was. And so I will be fighting for that as an initiative. And I also think I'll, I'll say this one as a fun one I want to do. And this one, I haven't worked out all the logistics. I'm looking at what other cities are doing. But San Antonio is a, is a system. It is a beast. Um, and so what it is, is it would be a grocery incubator program. So some say somebody wants to run, learn how to run a grocery store. They're given the tools and they're taught how to run the grocery store. They do that. 
um, and I want to connect it with a local uh, food garden so that we are increasing access to quality, affordable produce in recognizing that our side of town faces one of the worst food deserts, I mm-hmm. think, in the city. And that was really brought, that was really, you know, spotlighted, spotlit, spotlighted when, uh, during the freeze in February, when people are stockpiling on food and you see everybody on the east side trying to go to the same two HEBs and Walmarts. Mm -hmm. And on the north side, they have Target, Trader Joe's, Walmart, HEB, uh, all these things. Sprouts. (laughs) All these things. And, you know, we have nothing. We are fighting for so much less. So that shows that we really do need to address those uh, food deserts. That's awesome. I'm wondering if a company like HEB would be willing to partner with you all, uh, even if it's competing with them, because you know HEB is such a community-based um, organization that may be a, a lead into helping uh, the community with smaller grocery stores that are you know local. I would love that. And we've actually, um, I know that the council office has been in talk for years about expanding the HEBs that exist um, and adding new HEBs, but it just, nothing's been brought to fruition. And I think that's a bit exhausting. And mm-hmm. I would love to work with HEB on this, uh, but I want to, I kind of want to see what the community can do. Yes, I like yeah. it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Okay, so we are back at the island and we are having a good time. We almost didn't come back from break, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> We're, having too, much fun talking. We're yes. having too much fun talking. I should have kept recording. But anyways, Cheryl, I think you're up. Yes, uh, Councilman Jalen, this has been such a pleasure. I'm just so excited and so uh, refreshed to see young people in politics and young, intelligent people in politics, shall I say. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. So I want to ask you, who was the most influential person in your life? Ooh, I'm going to be basic, but it's true. It's real true. Um, It's got to be my mom. My mom was 19 when she had me and she enlisted in the army. Um, And the reason she did it was to provide me a better life. And she sacrificed her youth and her ambitions and the ability to travel the world, you know, and experience so much of what being young has to offer. And she did it for me. And along the way, I saw so much sacrifice. And I saw maybe at the time you don't realize it when you're young, Mm -hmm. but you see how the key decisions that were made and the things that you were protected from and shielded from, you see those and why, and you see the larger picture that your parents have for you. And yes, they make mistakes and um, they, you know, everybody's growing at all times. And I'm just so, I'm so excited. And I'm proud of my mom too. She, after a certain point, she went back to school, she got her bachelor's and then she got her master's. Um, And she's just, she's doing amazing. And I'm so proud of her and so, you know, so influenced. I I wanted, I want to make her proud. And that at the root of every decision I make, it's, am I going to make my mom proud? Awesome. And you're doing a fabulous job, and she did a fabulous job. She yes, has she uh, developed, not, not only created, but developed a wonderful, intelligent young man. So Thank you so much. Y'all got to have me crying on the podcast <laughs> at, the kitchen, at the kitchen island. 
<laughs> I just like your I like your thoughtfulness and your compassion uh, yeah. because I can see that you're going to put the people first. And so we applaud your mom. She did a magnificent job. Thank you so much. I, I'm going to relay that, that to her. Yes. Just have to listen in. <laughs> oh, I can share the podcast. Yes, you actually are going to share the podcast. Yes, I am going to share it. I met with my mom specifically, but yes, oh, okay. I will share the podcast and share with my mom. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So I, I was just commenting on you being a very young and intelligent person in politics. What advice would you give the younger generation that even considering going down this path? Because as you know, it's not very easy to get to the level that you've achieved. And I'm sure you're going to go to another level uh, after this. Oh my gosh, I think, and I had an idea whenever, <laughs> when you started asking the question, I had an idea of what I wanted to say. I think um, I have to give the advice, always listen, you know, always be receptive and listen to the advice of elders. There's a lot of wisdom there, most definitely. You don't have to be pigeonholed by it, but it is worthwhile to listen because there's people who have been doing the work, people who have learned the hard lessons so we don't have to and who have experienced hardships so that we don't have to. So I think that's that's number one. But I also think number two is, you know, to not, I, I want to say almost don't take no for an answer in some sense. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of times when, you know, we're told as young people, you know, when are y'all gonna, when are y'all gonna step up and when are the young people gonna take charge? But then we're also told, you know, sit down and wait your turn. And so sometimes it feels like you want, you know, people want to pass the torch, but sometimes people don't want to pass the torch. And so you have to take it. And so sometimes young people, you can't be afraid to take the torch and you can't be afraid to step out with new ideas and to challenge the system and to really make people think why have we been doing things the way that we're doing? Because yes, we've been doing this for however long, but why are we doing it? Why are we not doing this? Why are we so resistant to change? Um, and so I think there's the, the two piece, the be willing to listen, never stop being willing to listen, but also don't be afraid to challenge. I love it. I like what you said when yeah. you uh, stated that, you know, should they should be listening to different advice. The, the other thing, um, I like the fact that you volunteered first in campaigns and helping others get to where they want to go. So you went through a learning process. You didn't jump out yeah. there and just put your name on the ballot and just like, I want to run just because. <laughs> Oh, I'd have been the crazy person doing that. <laughs> but we have some crazy people doing that. We had a president. Mm -hmm. that did that, yeah, we I'm did have a president. <laughs> we did have a president that did that. And, uh, you know, and everybody says that, you know, if you had a, you know, it's okay not to be in politics in order to be in politics, but I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, would you go to a doctor that had not gone to medical school <laughs> to work on you? So why would you get involved with somebody that had never ever done anything in politics and they all of a sudden they're now your, you know, president. councilman or president for that matter? Uh, yes, I will challenge you on that. Mm -hmm. I will challenge you on that because I do think there's value in and it, I'll challenge you to a to an extent because you're absolutely right. We want people to be knowledgeable. Um, I think people have to be willing to accept the knowledge and expertise that exists within someone, right? Um, and I'm going to elaborate a little bit. 
is that we have activists. We have people who have worked retail, people who have been impacted by major political failures and mm-hmm. failures, you know, on behalf on the government's end. And that inspires people to run. And I'll, I'll never, I will never uh, want to discourage someone from doing that. We've seen some, True. I think of Amy Villela in Nevada. And she, the reason that she ran was because um, her doctor or her uh, daughter's doctor um, couldn't treat them and they couldn't afford healthcare and her daughter ended up passing away. Mm. Um, and I think that's a huge reason to want structural systemic change and to challenge the system, the system. but you know, those are often one-offs, but I would love to see more healthcare workers. I love to see more retail workers. I'd love to see everybody in office. So that's that's one of my challenges. That's the only reason I challenged you, Ms. Cheryl. (laughs) I totally get it. I I think I would think about more of the highest office in the land. I was like, you've never done anything. (laughs) Stop going back to Trump. That's the mark on all of us, Cheryl. Yeah, you know, he had not done anything in any kind of, and never really wanted to study up on it, never really wanted to know about it. Oh, yeah, um, that's to me, you know. But you, when you run and you have a passion for running, guess what? You do your homework and you study on it and you find out, you know, why you want to run and you have the reasons, you know, to move you forward. You don't just run just because, you know. And so that's that's the reason why I, I put that out there. The person that's the highest office in the land, <laughs> some knowledge, some knowledge. Yeah. The other part of that is you have to be willing to listen, like Jay. Yes, and we listen and learn. And the last thing I'm gonna say is going to be based on what Jalen says that young people to listen and listen to wisdom and listen to advice, but you don't have to take every bit of advice. Because my thing is, advice is like going to a buffet. You go to a buffet, you see something on that buffet you don't like, guess what? You leave it there and you don't (laughs) put it on your plate. Same thing about advice and wisdom, you know, yes, soak it up, get what you need. But if it's not suitable for you and it doesn't fit where you're going, just leave it on the buffet and keep moving, keep on down the line. So that's what I would say to young people. Yes, it's great to listen to wisdom. Wisdom, when I say wisdom, I mean good counsel. But uh, when it don't fit, don't put it on your plate. If it don't fit, don't force it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I want to add this to it based on what Cheryl said. I think we all agree that uh, you, sh- I just lost my thought, you guys, in the podcast, lost my thought, but you should encourage folk to learn. And even if they don't have all of the experience, if they have the compassion and the commitment to do something, then they have the desire to learn. As long as you're learning as you go along and you're not just, as Cheryl said, running to run, then you're good with me and I can support you. Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, let me ask you this. Do you want your political career to go beyond city councilman? Now, just me, just this conversation, I can see <laughs> President McKee Rodriguez of the United States. Oh my States. gosh. I can see it. I can see Senator. I can see Mayor. I can see um, it all. That's so flattering. It really is. I'll say this because I haven't had these political aspirations, I really never plan on running for city council. I will say that for now, my plan is to serve for as long as the people will have me. I want to get through these two years. I want to earn re-election and then I want to keep earning re-election until, uh, until I term out. And then from there, I'll either get back in education or I'll get into the nonprofit world or 
you know, my, my degree, my master's is, I'm one class away from my master's in educational leadership and policy studies. Um, and that is my passion, but I do also recognize the need to challenge the system and to have people in the system who know it and are willing to challenge it. So I'd be willing, I'd be willing, but right now it's not in the plans. Okay. All right. Okay. Honest answer. Fair answer. Fair. Mm-hmm. But y'all are gassing me up. Y'all made me feel all confident when I've barely <laughs> been in the seat for two weeks, just found the bathroom. And- <laughs> <laughs> But that was an astute answer based on where you are right now in your career. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you. we've been talking politics and seriousness, but we've had a lot of laughter in between. So could you tell us how do you relax, have fun, or even in a crisis, what do you do to get yourself through it? Oh, my gosh. I'll start off with that last part. I love crises. It's it's bad. Oh. It's bad. I don't love them. Like, I wish, like, I'm thinking <laughs> personal, professional, like, when there's a fire and you got to put it out. I yes. do enjoy that process. I love problem solving. I love the puzzles. And I love, especially when there's some element of, uh, like, relationships within that. And you have uh-huh. to uh, navigate. The, I think that's why I would love, like, why I would love Survivor, Big Brother, those reality shows. Because I love the personal politics. So I, I'm excited to enter the world of politics now, <laughs> but I think, uh, ooh, I, I'm just, I just kind of enjoy that. So I think that's, that's the easier one to answer. I think how I relax and have fun. Lately, I've been playing solitaire a lot. Um, I'm an artist, so I've painted murals in my house. I love painting. I haven't had so much time for it. Um, I love drawing. I love social media. I mean, I'm a millennial, so I, you know, I'll scroll for hours on whatever. <laughs> Try not to do it so much, but you know, I think uh, I, I need. I'll develop more hobbies so I can. So next time I come on, I can have more to share with you. All you right, know so like? we know he's coming back. I know that's what <laughs> I was going to say. I like what he said, and guess what? We know he is welcome back at any time. At the listen, island, oh yes. What I always like to ask our guest is, when you were a young boy, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you want to be? There no, I don't think things. little boys sit around saying, you know, I think I want to be a city councilman. <laughs> <laughs> Not common. I don't think it's that common. I'll say this: um, when I when I was really little. Um, and for the longest time, I wanted to be involved in the arts. So it kind of evolved. So I wanted to be a drawer, as like a child would say. <laughs> then I wanted to be a painter. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a photographer. I really wanted to get into film. I love the art, like all of the arts. I love them. If I could sing, I would be. A, I would want to be a singer. But it, y'all don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find in my high school yearbook, and this was surprising to me because I don't remember this. I don't remember ever wanting to be an educator, but it said that I wanted to be an art teacher. And I was like, I don't remember ever actually wanting to enter education. It was kind of a fluke that I entered the field of education, okay. uh, much less a math teacher at that. But I, I think now looking back, I am much better off as a math teacher than I would, than I think I would have been as an art teacher. Okay. Right. That's something that's right brain and then left brain uh, uh-huh. competing with one another. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Very interesting. I'm a counselor, so you know I'm psychoanalyzing you right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the results later. <laughs> <laughs> They're all good. They're all good. That just means your brain is ambidextrous. That's a lot. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, you know what? We're not going to hold you very much longer, but we're going to let each each one of us is going to give you some words of encouragement 
And um, what I'd like to say is I want you to keep doing what you're doing. You've already got a jump start. You're doing, I've already heard great things about you, even from um, just the politicians in the city, um, other city councilmen. Um, my husband has spoke highly of you. Um, you're, you're already doing what you need to be doing. But as a podcast, you are always welcome to come back if you need our platform for any reason. Please feel free to let us know and we will definitely put you on. Thank you so much. Also, okay, can I take a pause? Of course. Uh, so I want to plug that my chief of staff will be upset if I did not plug this, but we got the results of the budget input survey from the city. Okay. And about, I want to say, four, I can't remember the numbers, but I feel like about 40% of the results came from the north side. Okay. Districts 8, 9, and 10. Mm-hmm. 6% came from District 2. So what we need is more people to go um, participate in the budget survey. I'm going to get the link. Um, I'll have it at the end when, okay. when everyone's done. But I, I want us to make sure that we're getting everybody on the east side, everybody in District 2, everybody in San Antonio to complete this survey because we are not represented. Um, okay. And we need that. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you said that. Um, and like I said, anytime you need to get a message out, to the city, to the state for that matter, please feel free to contact us and come back on and spread the word, okay? Thank you so much. Yes. You can send out, you know, we have all the different churches that we're connected to on the east side. Um, We can get our uh, assistant, our pastor secretary to send out a quick uh, email uh, to say, hey, could everybody complete this? Could you ask your parishioners to complete the survey? It's very important that we represent it. Yes. Uh, so that's something that we can make sure that we, we do um, after this session. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So the one thing I want to encourage you to do is to continue to go boldly and stay awesome. strong. I love that. Because you are very bold, but you're, you're confident, but not conceited. Um, so and that is very important in the place that you sit and the person that you are. Um, it's very few people that will ever challenge me when I speak, but you challenge me and I love that. And I'm so glad you did. Uh, glad you did too, Jalen. <laughs> she won't let us challenge her. She won't let us. She tries to shut it, us down like this. She shuts so, us down. So you did a great thing. Yeah, so <laughs> we walk off from her when she shuts us down, but she couldn't walk from you. So good for you. Good well, thank you so much for letting me do it. And thank you so much for being so receptive. Because you did it in such, not just a respectful way, but a powerful way to say, wait a minute, I just want to challenge you on this. And I can I can respect that. Normally, I'm always, I'm going to clap back when somebody. <laughs> She's not lying either. She's giving you straight talk. The but, right talk. Um, yeah, this is straight talk. Y'all know I keep it 100. But yes. uh, I thank you so much for challenging me. That says to me that you do have your own set of values and your mindset and you understand what you're thinking and no one else can run over your thoughts. And so that's so important where you sit and who you are. So continue to go boldly and stay strong. Thank you so Love much. It. Love it. Well, I guess I'll go next and I'll just say that I am still holding on to your statement. There's power in representation. And so I encourage you to continue to invite others to participate. Um, And the other thing is that I am so taken with your uh, drive to serve. And whenever you start out to be a servant, you know, God is with you. 
Yes. And you know you're going to do great things. And if you don't, I'm telling you, you're going to do great things. <laughs> and so we're praying for you. Yes. And we, if you keep that servant's mind and invite others to participate, we know great things are going to happen. Not just on the east side, but all over San Antonio because of you. Exactly. Thank you so much. This is the perfect way to end my day. Y'all are great. <laughs> I love y'all. <laughs> yes. Um, I do have the link. I do have the link now. It is okay. S- all right. A, it is saspeakup.com. Perfect. Perfect. saspeakup.com. Yes, it. ma'am. Okay. Okay. You guys that are listening to us that's in District 2, don't forget saspeakup.com. We need you to go out there. We need you to tweet, text your friends to make sure that they fill out the survey. It's very simple to do that. We need to be represented so we can't complain. You know, don't throw a fit when the money don't come our way. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jalen, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Yes, thank you. And remember, anytime you want to come back, we're ready. We'll be waiting. Absolutely. Yes. So with that being said, we are going to say adios. Ciao, Bella. See you later. Bye.